It's time for midday here on this 14th day of January. It's Thursday. It's 1130 at KRVN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports in just a few minutes. Bob Rogan will join us as well. Talk about how stocks are doing so far in the first couple of hours of trading. Looking at snow in the eastern portions of Nebraska. Blizzard warning will go into effect later tonight. Paul will have more on that in the Ag Weather Update coming up in about 15 minutes. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of uh, what's coming up today on Midday. And Susan, uh, are you getting any snow in your neck of the woods? We are. And actually, I feel like I need to batten down the hatches the way this wind is blowing. I'm sure. How much? Well, first off, how much snow are you getting? And is, if you're getting a lot, is it whiteout conditions? No, it's just a little flurries here okay. and there right now. So, But it sounds like things could definitely pick up as we move into the evening and mm-hmm. the overnight so that'll make for some some fun traveling for folks and, you know, just trying to take care of livestock and weather like this is no fun. Yeah, not great uh, conditions, especially if you're trying to calf right now. Uh, not ideal, but uh, listen, hopefully you're inside of a barn and that'll help at least a little bit until that barn blows away, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. That's why we, we're lambing right now. So ah, the barn okay. door is open and hopefully the girls are smart enough to go inside. Right, right. Well, what do you have for us coming up on Midday? Well, we're going to kick everything off at 1219 with Chad as he talks with Chris Bosquet. He's an executive director of the Nebraska State Dairy Association. This is a little piece you might not have known about. NSDA is working with the Nebraska National Guard in preparation to get the COVID-19 vaccine to those who work within the dairy industry. And then at 1245, we are wrapping up a three-part series with the Farm Service Agency's director and administrator, Richard Fordyce, as he talks to us about his final times in Washington, D.C., what future plans, and a little praise as well to his staff all across the nation. Then at 117, Clay wraps everything up with Paul Moosman. He is a talks about pushing his company AgWest Commodities to host a cash marketing webinar that is going to take place tomorrow. So that looks at a midday from the farm team. Okay, sounds very good. Don't blow away, all right? Yeah, no kidding. I feel like I'm in Kansas. Well, you might be by the end of the day. Thank you very much, Susan. Sure appreciate it. Let's turn it over to uh, Jason and uh, big news for Husker football fans. Yeah, Will Honus, a senior linebacker from Kansas, has decided to come back to Lincoln and play another season. It's interesting when you look at all of these uh, player moves in the offseason for the Huskers. Most of the defensive guys who had a chance to come back have come back, whereas it's on the offensive side of things where most have decided to move on to try something else. But uh, Will Honus back, that's a plus for the Huskers. Is it just me, or does this year feel like there's been more offseason moves in the past? It's kind of like NFL free agency, going to go here, going somewhere else. A couple things back. making that happen. One, everybody got that year back. Good point. And then the good old transfer portal, mm-hmm. which uh, sometimes is good, sometimes isn't so good. But uh, Will Hone is back. That is a plus. We will tell you more about that. Also, a little more than a week away from the Nebraska volleyball team's first game of the year against Indiana. Should be a successful season or promising season. We'll have more on that We later. hope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn over to Bob Broken and uh, how are stocks doing so far? A little bit higher in uh, trading despite a uh, kind of a oh disappointing report on the number of layoffs sweeping the country. The number of people seeking unemployment aid soared last week uh, to the most since late August. So we'll have details on that coming up. Time for our Thursday edition of a regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins back in the saddle today as his latest weather watch is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. 
Well, it's witty out there, Paul, and uh, unfortunately it seems like it's going to continue. Exactly. We're going to see the worst of this wind for this afternoon uh, across the area. Still those lingering, very strong wind gusts expected to uh, last into tomorrow. So not as strong tomorrow on the winds as today, but still very, very strong. So we do have that high wind warning, and they extended that to include all of Nebraska and Kansas uh, all the way through 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Previously, it was just over west and central areas of Nebraska and Kansas through about uh, tomorrow evening, but now it's, of course, for all of Nebraska and Kansas on into northeast Colorado, too. Now, the, the odd thing is the temperatures, they really didn't drop all that much from a day ago. Exactly. Luckily, yeah, we're seeing some decent temperatures uh, to go along with these winds, so that is kind of offsetting that. Uh, right now, most of us at seasonal levels for daytime highs in the low 40s across the area, even a few mid-40s as you head into Kansas. Some low and mid-30s, though, on into the Nebraska Panhandle, where there is some snow starting to move in towards Scotts Bluff and Kimball. But most of the light snow and rain mix on into eastern Nebraska from about Wayne to York and Hebron and points off towards the east. And those points in the eastern region of Nebraska could make it dangerous with the snow falling and those nasty winds. Exactly, especially tonight into tomorrow. We do have a winter storm watch in effect for the counties right along the Nebraska-Iowa border from about West Point down to Falls City. That is midnight tonight through 6 tomorrow evening. Also a blizzard warning in effect for the far northeast corner of Nebraska. Midnight tonight through 6 tomorrow evening. Once again, temperatures right now in the low 40s for the most part across the area. Already seeing some reports of damage due to these strong winds in southwest Nebraska towards the Trenton area. There was a report of a couple windows broken at a museum. That was caused by the wind and also a 6-inch tree limb is down there. And we'll probably see more of those reports as the day goes on on into tomorrow. Wind gusts the strongest this afternoon when strong high pressure builds in behind strong low pressure over Minnesota and Wisconsin. Winds tonight decreasing a little before they strength again late tomorrow morning on into early tomorrow afternoon. Open burning not recommended anywhere all the way through tomorrow, especially the drier areas of south of I-80 into northern Kansas where there is a red flag warning this afternoon. Blizzard conditions possible in extreme eastern Nebraska. Once again, right along the Missouri River on into Iowa late tonight into tomorrow. Travel in far eastern Nebraska will not be advised then. A little light snow could slip into central Nebraska late tonight into tomorrow morning. Any amount so likely to just range from a trace to a few tenths of an inch. Now, Saturday through Wednesday will be mostly dry. Still breezy on the winds for tomorrow night into Saturday. Very light precipitation is a slim possibility with the passing Alberta Clipper towards Tuesday. Daytime highs will be seasonal to slightly above average. Now, temperatures looking to be cooler in our long-term forecast the middle of next week. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be seasonal or near normal, then slightly cooler than normal temperatures in the forecast for Nebraska and Kansas by late next week through January 27th. Slightly above normal precipitation is indicated for Tuesday through January 27th in Nebraska and Kansas. So a little more active weather coming up by the middle of next week through the 27th, along with those cooler temperatures, could mean a little bit more snow in our forecast to close out the month. In the regional drought monitor, most of Nebraska remains in moderate to severe drought. Extreme drought continues in southwest and south-central Nebraska, or if you're along and west of Highway 183 to the south of I-80, as well as nearly all of the Nebraska Panhandle, Kansas improved two percentage points to 26% drought-free. No dryness concerns found from Cimarron to Liberal on into the southeast corner. Also counties along the Missouri border fine, 
Most of Kansas remains abnormally dry to a moderate drought and not as dry as Nebraska. Severe to extreme drought continues from north-central to western Kansas and from Washington to Minneapolis. Weather factors driving the markets include light follow-up rain in Argentina's forecast and favorable rain chances over most of Brazil. In much of the wheat areas of the U.S. southern plains, drought conditions remain. Very little precipitation expected outside of the northeast corner of the southern plains in the next 10 days. A system moving through the central U.S. not having much uh, moisture with it, but winds will be strong and could be damaging to expose crowns on wheat. In the northern plains, temperatures forecast to remain mostly above normal through the middle of next week before Arctic air starts to move in. Across Brazil, scattered moderate to isolated heavy rain fell the past several days. Rain will continue across the central growing regions with moderate to heavy amounts possible in the south this weekend. Rio Grande do Sul, though, will be left out of the heavier rain. Crop conditions will improve, but the rain is coming too late for early planted crops. Increased soil moisture in Brazil is important, getting closer to the second season of corn planting. Argentina saw scattered moderate rain this week, improving their conditions for developing to reproductive corn and soybeans. Western Argentina may continue to see rain today. Another system will bring widespread moderate rain tomorrow and Saturday. The moisture will be important as dryness is expected next week. And most of Argentina, of course, this year has seen below normal rainfall. So explain why we're just seeing these big windstorm moving through and really not a lot of precipitation. Basically, it's a system coming in out of the northwest. Um, big area of low pressure dipping out of Canada, now into the Great Lakes. A lot of the moisture are going to be picked up to the east and stay mm. to our east. And then, of course, a big ridge of high pressure off to our west. So we're getting that squeeze effect right now. And between a strong low-pressure system to the east and a high, strong high-pressure system to our west, and very strong winds with that. And those strong winds, you say, are going to get even worse later today. Yeah, exactly. Um, right now we're seeing those winds on up into the 50s to around 60, probably a little bit stronger as the afternoon goes on. And that will be the highest of the winds. They'll drop off a little tonight, but then pick up again tomorrow. Okay, make sure everything's tied down or put away. You may not see it again. For more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thanks, Paul. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to get an update from the Nebraska State Dairy Association. Chris Bosquet is joining us here today. He's the executive director of that group. Chris, thanks for joining us here today. I, I understand that uh, NSDA has been asked to be involved in um, some coronavirus vaccine preparations. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with that, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Uh, we were contacted by the Nebraska National Guard uh, specifically to help obtain data and information around the, the, the need for COVID vaccines within the dairy industry. And so what I guess what they've requested of us is for our farmers and people associated with the dairy industry and production or processing to fill out uh, an Excel document that uh, explains, you know, the the farm, uh, what county it resides in, the contact information of the farmer, and then also how many employees they have and how many employees want the vaccine. And so uh, if, if the farmers throughout the state want the vaccine, I, or just in general, I would highly encourage them to complete that document and send it back to me. This is all part of the preparation as, you know, phase uh, 1B gets closer and closer. The state's dairy farmers and their employees obviously want to be a part of that, and they want to be prepped up for that, right? 
That's correct. Uh, ag production and food processing is, uh, is considered phase 1B. We really need to get our stuff together and uh, figure out the exact need so we can be ready and our farmers and our, our workforce can get the vaccine and, and we can go back to normal. As everybody knows, you know, the, the COVID vaccine has been one of the toughest situations that we've had to deal with, with our workforce, uh, you know, having to deal with it and things like that. But uh, I think this is a good opportunity to set ourselves up for success in the future and, and uh, help out the National Guard and, and the governor's office on getting that information together so we can uh, move forward. Still, it is important to respond to that survey and provide that information so when it's time to go, they've got good information to go on, Chris. Absolutely, yes. We need to make sure that we're getting uh, the best data that we can. Uh, It's extremely important because, you know, uh, immunizations, uh, for those who want an immunization, uh, this would be the earliest time frame where they could get one. Um, otherwise they'll have to wait, you know, probably into the summer. And so, um, you know, those farm employees that might be high risk or, or, uh, you know, uh, who really want it, no matter, you know, who they are within your organization, this is the best opportunity for them to really get their name on the list. And, and so when one B happens, uh, you know, it's a seamless transition and, and we can start getting shots in arms. All right, very good. So just as we kind of wrap up, uh, what is the best way for member dairy farmers to submit that information, Chris? If I did, if you did not receive an email and you are a dairy farmer, you can go to nebraskamilk.org. And on our homepage, we have a, a header bar that you can uh, go directly to the Excel document that uh, you need to complete. Uh, so please complete that document, save it to your computer, and then forward that information to me, Chris Bosquet at NebraskaMilk.org. Again, we've been visiting with Chris Bosquet, the executive director of the Nebraska State Dairy Association, and here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer Report. Time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen now has stepped in, and uh, volleyball season. We're talking about it here in January, but it's coming up for the Huskers. You know, for years, Coach Cook has always wanted the season to be in the spring. Now, he never wanted it because of a pandemic, but he's (laughs) going to get his wish this time around. Huskers continue for their season that starts next week, and he feels the pandemic actually has forced the team to be a closer unit. I think being in a bubble kind of forces you to be kind of a group and you're, we, they spend a lot of time with each other because you have to stay within your bubble. Uh, same with the coaches. We're all trying to stay within a bubble. We're not out recruiting. We're not out going places. I just think there's been a lot of more quality time spent uh, as our group. The Huskers, who begin the year ranked fifth in the country, will start the season next weekend with a pair of games at Indiana. More good news this morning on the Husker football front. Senior linebacker Will Honus of Kansas, he is elected to uh, come back to Nebraska for one more year. He made the announcement on Twitter. He really took a step forward this fall, was pretty mm-hmm. solid mm-hmm. for Nebraska at 57 tackles in seven games, three sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. So. Hey, that black shirt unit doesn't look too bad. Yeah, we talked about it last week. The defense, majority of them returning. While they may not, uh, they'll take another step, but 
hey, that's 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 good news for Huskers. And uh, there were not a lot of improvements this fall for Nebraska, but one of the improvements was on the defensive side of the ball. They they did get a little bit better, and having all of these veterans back certainly will help that progress. One of the bright spots for the UNK men's basketball team this season has been the play of senior Austin Luger of Alliance. Luger is averaging 17 points and 7 rebounds per game, and head coach Kevin Lofton says his development has been fun to see. Hey, the good news is you're a really good player. I said the bad news is you're a really good player, and they know it. Now they're going to try to do things to take you away. And that's kind of where Austin is moving toward, and that's, that's credit to him. I mean, that, I mean, that's a lot of hard. That's three years of hard work starting to shine through, and, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. Last week, Luger had a career-high 26 points against Lincoln and 21 in the win at Central Missouri as the Lopers went one-on-one on the road. Luger has been in double figures in six straight games. And, Tyler, he has been a flamethrower from behind the arc. At 6'8", he is shooting better than 50% on (laughs) three-pointers. 6'8", and he's he's shooting that well of a percentage. He's deadly from the top of the key. People are going to have to try to chase him off the line. Because if you stand there and let him off that pick-and-pop play that they run, he's been pretty good. Got some moves inside, too. He's a better player facing up. Okay. He's not great with his back to the bucket, but if he faces up, it's it's going down. Wow, that, that's incredible. That's the new age of basketball, It is. Though. I mean, that's how everybody wants to play. Uh, tonight, UNK hosts 16th-ranked Missouri Western at 730. Women's game is at 530. We'll have those games for you over on 93.1 The River. You will be in the barn mm-hmm. as Kozad and Gothenburg duel, and those games can be found on Cammy. There'll be interesting games tonight. A couple of uh, boys teams that are trying to find their way in the season, and the girls teams as well. They're just super young, and uh, it'll be interesting. And a couple new head coaches that'll have their first times uh, with this Dawson County rivalry. That, that is one of the rivalries I miss not getting to do high school as much anymore. Doing the college, thing. right? Kozak Gothenburg. That was always fun. It'll be fun tonight uh, for sure. And again, that's on Cami Country. All right, that's Check of Sports. For more, you can find that anytime at krvn.com. All right, thanks, Jason. Time for Midday News. Our own Dave Schroeder has stepped in. A little windy out there, Dave. It is a little bit windy out there, but I guess if we can get through the daytime, I think we'll be okay. I hope so. Well, we heard from uh, Governor Pete Ricketts today in the Capitol. Absolutely. In his annual State of the State address today to the Nebraska legislature, Governor Pete Ricketts talked about tax relief and spending controls. Ricketts says his budget controls spending to a growth rate of 1.5%. Governor Ricketts also wants to set limits on how high local governments can raise their budgets, hoping to set a limit of around 3% annually. But he also wants to fully fund education. As I have done every year as governor, my budget proposes to fully fund the state aid to the K-12 education formula with an additional $42.7 million over the biennium. We must continue to invest in the next generation of Nebraskans so they can access educational opportunities that can help them achieve their dreams. Ricketts also wants to take steps to be the best state in the nation for military families and veterans, improve broadband access, and building new prison facilities. He also voiced appreciation for the job Nebraska has done to curb the spread of COVID-19 and keep hospitalizations under control so that those needing a hospital bed get one. 
Meanwhile, Kansas Democratic Governor Laura Kelly outlined a proposed annual budget there that includes a tax increase and two other major initiatives likely to be rejected by the Republican-controlled Kansas legislature. She outlined a $20 billion spending plan for the budget year that begins July 1st. Among other things, it would protect a previously promised increase in spending on public schools, but the governor also proposed expanding Medicaid and cutting Kansas's annual contribution to pensions for teachers and government workers, and GOP leaders oppose both ideas. A 29-year-old Lexington man was arrested following a standoff early Tuesday morning. Lexington Police Department was called to a Lexington residence around 2 a.m. where a man reportedly had a gun. An officer arriving at the scene heard gunshots. He was later taken into custody. A large amount of drugs and guns and ammunition was also seized along with some currency. Luis Lazo Escobar was arraigned in Dawson County Court. His bond set at 10% of $500,000. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. We are wrapping up our conversation with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Over the past couple of years, I've enjoyed our conversations as we go in depth of what's happening within the Farm Service Agency. Now, Conservation Reserve Program sign-up is through as he talks about programs that are available to those producers. It did. It started on Monday, January the 4th, and... Um, this is our. Uh, this is really our annual um, general CRP sign up. So this is the competitive one where landowners will make offers, um, you know, and and make commitments to, you know, maybe what kind of uh, cover they're going to put out there. What other kind of things are they going to do? Um, and for all of the different um, things that the producer or the landowner uh, agrees to do, they they get points for that and. And uh, the, the sign-up runs through February the 12th. And at that time, you know, the national office will take all of those offers and, and tabulate the scores of all of those offers. And then there'll be a cutoff, you know, as far as the points go. Um, anybody above that, um, you know, will be, uh, will be offered an opportunity to have a contract. And folks below that, you know, will have to try again um, at another time. But but this is the one that folks really, I think, look forward to and, and anticipation um, because it is the one. It's the one where we probably take bigger chunks of land. So, you know, entire fields, you know, those kind of things. We do have a number of um, significant number of acres that are expiring. Um, those those acres certainly are also eligible for, you know, for offering and, and re-enrollment. Um, but this is the this is the one that folks really look forward to um, as far as the opportunity to, to, to enroll those bigger, those bigger acreages or to re-enroll the ones that have been in and, and those contracts have expired. Well, Richard, I think it just shows that even though a transition is underway, it is business as usual for the FSA. Uh, the transition in itself, how is that all going? And, and what can you tell producers about the process? Well, I think... Um, you know, you're, you're right. And, you know, we're, we're having meetings, literally, um, I've got meetings on my calendar, um, for things that need to be done today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Um, you know, we, we want, we want the transition to be as seamless 
you know, as it possibly can, because we know our mission is, is to support American agriculture and it's to support, you know, American farmers and ranchers and forest stewards. And, and so, you know, we know that that, we know that that transition has to be seamless um, so that we have that continuity and that continuation of service. Um, you know, and I, you know, I guess as a farmer um, in previous administration changes, you know, I don't know that I did. I detected any kind of a, uh, a pause, you know, in services or a pause in, you know, the ability to interact with my local farm service agency office. And that's going to be our goal as well, that, that you know, we prepare the next administration, um, you know, for the things that that we're working on, the things that are still in the pipeline, some things that, you know, that we finished and some things that we still have yet to finish. And to make sure that when they step in on day one, that they are, you know, that they're ready to go. They're informed about, you know, all of the things that are happening. Um, and we've done that. We've done that through a series of meetings with the transition team. And, you know, those meetings have gone, they've gone very well. And, you know, it's about, it's not about us, right? It's about, it's about the producers that we serve and, and the producers that this agency has served for multiple decades. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to prepare that, we're going to prepare that new team that's coming in, um, uh, as best we can and have them hit the ground running. I would also add, you know, just from a headquarters perspective here in Washington, um, you know, we've got some just amazing career staff, um, you know, some that have been here over 30 years, some that have been here close to 40 years, um, that have gone through transitions in the past and, you know, they understand they understand the critical nature of the mission of the agency. Um, you know, these are some of the smartest, honestly, some of the smartest people um, that I've ever worked with that 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 get it. They, they have a passion for agriculture. They they have a passion for for the work that the agency does. Um, they have a passion for supporting our staff in the field. Um, and so I'm completely confident, Susan, that this transition, at least from, you know, at least from FSA and, and the FPAC mission area is going to go, um, it's going to go very well. And the producers that we serve and we've historically served are going to continue, um, continue to see that exceptional customer service through the transition. And finally, what's in store for, for Richard? Are you, are you heading back to Missouri? What are some of your plans? You know, I, that's a great question. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I think at this point, the plan is to go back to Missouri. Um, you know, I honestly, I've enjoyed this. This has been, this has been a great experience. It's been, you know, it's been something that has really, um, you know, really allowed me to, um, to engage on national policy, which is something I did as a, vol a volunteer for a lot of years through different organizations. Again, I've appreciated our open conversations we've had over the years as FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce moves through the transition with a new administration coming in. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Um. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are ticking higher in Wall Street trading despite a dismal report on the number of layoffs sweeping the country. The S&P 500 was up two-tenths of a percent earlier, still hovering near its record high set last week. Investors are waiting to hear later today from President-elect Joe Biden, who's expected to detail his plan to bolster the economy. 
That plus the continued rollout of COVID-19 vaccines has Wall Street expecting a powerful rebound for the economy later this year and willing to look past a much worse report on U.S. layoffs than economists expected. The number of people seeking unemployment aid soared last week to 965,000, the most since late August. It's evidence that the resurgent virus has caused a spike in layoffs. The Labor Department's latest figures for jobless claims remain at levels never seen until the virus struck. Before the pandemic, weekly applications typically numbered around 225,000. Delta Airlines is reporting a $755 million loss for the fourth quarter, which brings its loss for all of 2020 to more than $12 billion, a company record. And Delta gave a cautious outlook today for the first quarter of 2021, saying it expects to lose $10 million to $15 million a day in the next three months. After that, however, executives at the Atlanta-based airline think things will get better. Samsung's next crop of smartphones will boast bigger screens, better cameras, and longer-lasting batteries at lower prices than last year's lineup that came out just before the pandemic toppled the economy. The three Galaxy S21 phones unveiled today during a virtual event will face similar challenges in an economy still hobbled by the COVID-19 crisis, but this time Samsung has made some pricing adjustments that reflect the hard times. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Importantly of that, we're in some unconventional times where basis is doing some things that it typically doesn't do this time of year. With many producers not seeing market conditions like this for years, it's hard to know what to do next in your marketing plan. Paul, that's why you're hosting a webinar on cash marketing tomorrow at 1230. This webinar is by producer demand following your highly attended global production webinar a month ago. What's happening in tomorrow's webinar with AgWest Commodities? can't meet all of our customers in our five or six state area. However, we are able to bring some significant expertise, not only from our regional level, which is Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, South Dakota, and Colorado, but we're also bringing in a couple of gurus, I would call them, that are nationally known. These individuals are working with commercial elevators. They're not the ones buying grain, but they're the one recommending and consulting to these larger, big commercial elevators. So they're going to bring their expertise put those knowledge points in the hand of our producers. 2020 ended with a bang, and 21 has sure started with, with, in my opinion, even a bigger bang in the ag market. These individuals discussing what's kind of happened in the futures markets and why, but more of an emphasis on the cash and basis. Now, again, for, for us hill locally and, and then also regionally, kind of what's going on. This is an extremely volatile market with, with the cash uh, up and down. And so we want to try to take advantage of some of these opportunities that we're seeing now and discuss, really dive in, get into the weeds on what's going on and, and where grain flow is happening. In the weeds is where we need to be as these decisions are important. So we're happy to bring these to all of our producers in this one shot. When it comes to a marketing plan, a producer has to live in both the futures market world and the physical cash market. Where is the cash market currently in much of the Midwest? Late last summer, early fall through harvest and now into 2021, in my opinion, basis has kind of been flipped on its head. Some of our future spreads are, are acting unconventional. So we want to get some information and, and some knowledge from those folks who know 
know and, and, and can help explain what's going on and put that in the hands of our producers to make some good decisions going forward. This is unprecedented for everyone, so let's get some information that can help us make some decisions in 21. Now for the really important question, Paul. This week has shown truly how important it is to be on top of your marketing plan. How does someone register for this one-time webinar that AgWest Commodities is hosting tomorrow on Cash Marketing? try to make it easy. Uh, we're, we're not tech gurus, so we're, we're on the marketing side. Just go to our webpage at goagwest.com, and if you can join us from your laptop or your computer at home, that's great. If you'd like to join us from the road and listen in on your smartphone, that's great, too. What, whatever's convenient from you for whatever smart device you can have, just go to our webpage, register, you'll get an email reminder, and click at the time and listen in. Paul, we've got about 30 seconds left in our interview time. Do you want to give us any final or closing thoughts? Yeah, thank you very much, Clay. For all of you producers who have questions out there and, and are excited but in the same breath a little bit worried about 2021, let's all do this together. I think we've got some great successes going forward. We've just got to be able to make sure and, and not screw this up. Tune in, listen in, get some information. Let's all help each other 2021. That again, President of AgWest Commodities, Paul Mooseman. Their cash marketing webinar again is occurring tomorrow at 1230. The webinar will feature several regional and national physical grain brokers and merchandisers who have in insight into the current cash trends and what could be coming in the future for the grain cash markets. You can register and sign into the webinar when you visit goagwest.com. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Weekend Grain. John, st- grains end higher once again today, but some late news coming out this afternoon. Russia is keeping a tight clutch on its wheat supplies, continuing that it's not going to back off on those wheat export taxes. Yeah, so this was announced right around 11.30 Central Time, at least hit my wires. Um, they had to put a tax on. So basically wheat prices in Russia are going up. Uh, faster than you know the public would like, so the, they actually have a lot of wheat on hand, but they're exporting a lot of it. So what they're telling the farmers is, hey, stop exporting it, start selling it to the good people of Russia. So they put a tax on wheat back. Well, they, they announced a tax back in December, but February is when it goes into play. It's supposed to last through June. Then they announced this morning uh, that it's going to last until indefinitely. So. I think they're seeing inflation here, and they're going to need to keep a couple of crops, you know, home rather than sell it. That's very good news for European producers, and it's really good news for U.S. producers. It's an Aussie crop that's available, not to the huge tune that it would be in Europe, but between Europe and the U.S., the U.S. might be more dependable seller here, and the price certainly isn't as high as it's been in, you know, the real boom years of 2010. So I look for for Minneapolis and Kansas City wheat. Those are the high-protein contracts to catch up here. Uh, they've really lagged Chicago in the last few years, getting as weak as 50 cents under at some points, which is bananas compared to where you know it normally traded. And I think we may be normalizing here uh, with this news in Russia. So look at Chicago, uh, maybe selling Chicago, buying KC, selling Chicago, buying Minneapolis. The more we talk about inflation, the more that will destabilize these emerging currencies. Is that the point where farmers really will kind of control the upper hand because grain will essentially be the better currency to be holding at that time? Yeah, I mean it's hard to say we're there yet. Uh, you know, those are those are policies typically in place for banana republics like Argentina, uh, Zimbabwe. Um, but I mean, at the rate we're spending money, and two trillion dollars is ten percent of our GDP. Uh, that's the second. This would be now the second uh, major stimulus of of that size, essentially in four months, three months. 
by the time they get it rolled out. And that's just incredible pricing pressure. So they've, you know, the Federal Reserve has let the genie out of the bottle to a certain degree. Uh, inflation is one of those things that feeds on itself. I, I do think that they have to be careful with this, uh, especially given that, you know, as the mainstream media starts to notice, they're going to start to talk about commodities. And I can even attest to folks wanting to buy commodities just on paper recently because of the move. So be ready for pu- sharp pullbacks. But that said, I, you know, I think the trend is going to hold here at least for a while. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. There you can sign up for a free trial of his daily newsletter this week in grain. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up our midday segment. You can listen to the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com or wherever podcasts can be found. <laughs>